0: Hello and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be discussing esotericism in Freemasonry with Brother, Worshipful Brother, Troy Spru.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at the Working Tools
0: Today on the Worshing Tools Podcast, we'll be interviewing worshipful brother Troy Sprue, who is cur- the current sitting worshipful master of Duke of Connaught Lodge number 64, as well as the organizer of the Grand Masonic Day up in up to the north in Vancouver, and the uh, Esotericism and Masonry Conference, which happens, I was going to say in Washington, but it was in Oregon last year, so here in the here in the States, and uh, about Esotericism and Freemasonry. So uh, we have our usual panel of hosts here today with us. Um, we have very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth and myself, uh, Matthew Apple, here in uh, Washington, and we have Right Worshipful Brother Trevor McCune and Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung up in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. And as I said earlier, uh, Worshipful Brother Troy, also from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. So welcome, Worshipful Brother Troy, and uh, thank you for coming out on our humble podcast.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I'm very much looking forward to this discussion.
0: So uh, when we started talking about, as a group that we wanted to do a conversation about esotericism and masonry, which I know is a topic that the several of the, the hosts, uh, past and present, are interested in, we... Uh, your name came up very early on because of your involvement with the various conferences and stuff. So um, I guess my, my first question is sort of what is esotericism you hear? It's a sort of a term you hear a lot around in some Masonic circles, but what does it kind of refer to? What does it mean?
2: So there's, there isn't a technical academic um, definition of esotericism and Freemasonry falls on, all four and both the minor, in the two minor categories of esotericism but primarily it's because um our discussions and participation in our um organization requires an initiation so it's for a select group only and it requires um a mysticism uh, or a mystical worldview, and so we sort of fulfill the idea of that the academic uh uh Um, definition of esotericism. Uh, It's a good blanket term. Uh, I like it because it it, it infers a third way, so rather than, you know, religious or theology on one hand and a completely materialistic or scientific viewpoint on the other hand, it provides sort of a a third way of knowledge, uh, which I also believe that gnosis sort of falls under, which is uh, implying experiential uh, or spontaneous self-knowledge and I think masonry is particularly good at that. It's probably the largest um, esoteric formal esoteric organization on Earth. Um, one could say that some large religious groups would also be considered esoteric or have esoteric schools within them, but Freemasonry sort of stands alone in that it doesn't rec- it doesn't uh, organize as a religion. It's not recognized as a religion, um, but it certainly has deistic aspects to it. In most jurisdictions, although that's not necessarily universally the case. Um, there's a lot of aspects to Freemasonry that have also been adopted by, by uh, other mystery schools or esoteric uh, fields of thought um, that are much more hardcore, occult, or esoteric um, that utilize our system. But uh, I believe we're utilizing a system uh, from Greek mysticism that's just been sort of inherited and passed down. Um, there's no historical evidence to that. But there again, uh, as an esotericist, uh, we we can have a mystical worldview that um, sort of precludes actual historical evidence. We can just assert something and believe it to be true. Uh, though I'm not an academic, so I couldn't publish that in a book necessarily. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. I saw
0: Trevor narrow his eyes when you said that. I'm not yes. Yes. <laughs> having the grand no. historian on what you're saying that is <laughs> it's,
2: it, it, it has more to do with the the surviving um, remnants uh, of the mystery schools that did exist in 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 Greece and in Rome um, and they have a lot of similarities with a uh, word grip and sign uh, giving a pass um, having having a degree structure and a degree grade uh, having um, separate classes for different groups. Um, the Pythagoreans were sort of known for this. Um, and so I, I think Freemasonry is an inheritor of that, whether it's a direct actual historical descendant, uh, one could argue one way or the other, but certainly somebody who knew something about what was going on uh, helped build our mysteries and put them together as as they are practiced today. Excuse me while I take a drink here. You
0: know, I, I just wanted to make a
1: distinction here that we have we have two lineages. We have the strictly historical, documented one, which is the one that I'm more interested in. But I do not discount the tradition uh, of a lineage based on what we have acquired through our own learning and study and research. That there doesn't have to have been an apostolic succession for, for us to still be connected to the ancient mystery traditions. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't. Uh, oppose Troy in, in taking that view. Uh, I downplay it a certain amount, mostly uh, because one can find that often finding like <coughs> events or similarities between us and mystery schools means that we have to cherry pick those identifiers and we don't necessarily pay attention to other aspects of those mystery schools that wouldn't reflect what we were about. <coughs> it's easy to make connections as Troy is promoting it, now Troy does his homework, Troy does his research, but far too many <coughs> esotericists who will call themselves esotericists don't do their homework. So it becomes less uh, what Troy is saying is the connection and more just, well, my opinion is because it feels good. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the party that I'm opposed to. The other thing I won't do
2: is I'm is, uh, I, I... Will claim airship, but I won't. Uh, I won't claim any uh, claim airship to those traditions. But I'm not going to claim any historical authenticity or any sort of uh, authority that the craft possesses or any individuals in the craft because of those inheritances. Uh, the craft stands on its own, um, and it um, it does a good job for its adherents. Uh, it helps people adopt a. Uh, mystical worldview that is, uh, I would say, evidence-based, uh, so it's a more scientific form of mysticism than many, um, and it, it, it helps form sort of a moral teaching that uh, steps away from a faith-based approach where, you know, pe- people are requiring a, um, you know, religious institution to enforce that sort of uh, rules and doctrine uh, in masonry we don't do that you know we we think that doing good for for the sake of, of doing the right thing uh is is evidence enough uh of the the value of our systems and uh i i would always support that and uh having had the experiences i've had and experienced the fraternity that i have and being involved in in the the type of um uh peculiar practices i'm involved in i'm i'm a big supporter of the craft in for these reasons that it, it does such a good job. And uh, I think there is good uh, independent evidence to support that it does good work for its adherents. And it's not just the, the claims of the adherents themselves.
1: You and Trevor both mentioned this mystery schools. Um, can you enlighten us uh, who know nothing about what that might be?
2: Uh, Probably the most well-known historically is the Eleusinian Mysteries, which were practiced in um, the the Greek societies, I think post-Pythagorean, probably about 600 BC, 500, 600 BC, maybe even earlier. Um, And they were agrarian mysteries. uh, And I think it was very similar to the mythology, the Persephone mythology that's uh, well-known from Greek mythology. I'm not a scholar on the subject.
1: And and nor uh, am I, but I think we can go beyond that, and I think we can go back to the Egyptians and the Sumerians, but because a mystery by that name, because they weren't keeping the sort of records that we've been able to discover any specifics about what they were doing, Uh, anyone now can go online and find out exactly what we do throughout our entire ritual. All we really know about uh, the Elysian Mysteries or, or, or the, the earlier uh, Nile Mysteries um, is that they involve, as you say, an agrarian rebirth yeah. uh, symbolism uh, twofold, one about the changing of the seasons tied to the crops uh, and the other just uh, the measuring of time. Hmm. Uh, one, I think it has been said that one of the defining characteristics of humans uh, in the animal kingdom is that we keep time we we know what time is um, and we immediately adopted that as as a religious principle in the, in our earliest system so we know some of that, but any of the details we certainly don 't
2: well I think but, the other the other thing that 's important to recognize about human societies is that we place a value on life and we recognize our own mortality and because of that um the uh, the particular archetypes that are celebrated in our mysteries would always be celebrated by human societies every human society is going to have mystery schools or celebrated teachings about these uh, these archetypes this birth life death cycle and the roles that the that the i mean uh, um uh, Carl Jung defined these archetypes, but there's a number of different archetypal systems. One of the most well-known uh, books of images is the, is the tarot. And it, it, these archetypes are found uh, whether they directly match from society to society or not. They could be largely grouped. And uh, it's the study of these archetypes and their application in everyday life that uh, is the, sort of the cornerstone of most Western occultism. To this day, um, the syncretic systems that came out of the occult revival of the 1820s, 1840s in France, uh, then popularized by the Golden Dawn and adopted by, well, just about every occult order you've ever heard of since. Now, it's all post-Masonry, mind you. It's not Freemasonry directly, but it certainly borrows heavily from the, the mysteries that we practice, and the more Masonic degrees you take, the more you're like, well... You know this is this is directly related to that, or 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 this degree relates to this archetype, and um, uh, none other than Albert Pike does a a a fairly good job in his Scottish Rite Freemasonry of describing um, these archetypes and ascribing them to to different tarot and different uh, different meanings, kabbalistic meanings, uh, and the Kabbalah and tarot, at least to these. Syncretists who syncretized the system together um, find a lot of similarity from these meanings. I just happen to believe that that these archetypes exist as part of human experience. It's the nature of being a person and being a thinking being that these archetypes occur. And as Trevor was saying, you know, we we recognize time, but it's more than that. It's that we recognize death and change in death. And that we aspire to something higher than ourselves and, and beyond death. And, you know, we, we hope against hope that there's more than what's going on here, uh, because otherwise, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's awfully nihilistic to just be, uh, born, uh, live as a man and then die and become worm food and not have any continuity of existence, the feel of the continuity of existence. Wow, that was deep,
1: <laughs> well, Maybe we can get into a few specifics. Now we know sure. in the lodge that we process uh, clockwise with the sun, and of course there's deosil means to yeah. that. But I've had uh, a number of brethren talk to me about how when the candidate enters between the two pillars, that he's representing a column in the tree of life, and I don't see that in Freemasonry. I have no trouble with a brother who wants to see it that way. Just don't impose that on me. But perhaps you could speak to that and some other conflations of different traditions into Masonry.
2: Well, that's a good one. Um, that that the, the three pillars version of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life is probably popularized, Uh most recently, by uh, Aliphus Levy, uh, Alphonse Louis Constant, who published a version of that Tree of Life. It had been known before, but I think that was the probably the most popular publication. Um, uh, one of his publications, uh, High Magic, probably about 1840, 1845. I'm not as familiar with his work, but uh, I believe that that's where that image comes from of the the middle pillar. The, the, the pillar of balance whereas the other two pillars the pillar of mercy and the pillar of severity uh represent male and female polar opposites or the the light and dark these sort of polarities and that the the man standing in the middle the the, the middle pillar the balanced pillar represents you know a mix of both attributes and when you lay those pillars out with the sephira of the tree of life it does create a very a uh, simple system that incorporates a lot of mystic numbers. So you've got you've got the three represented. You've got. Um, uh, three, four, and seven represented. You've got twelve represented. You've got twenty-two represented, and these are all important. I can go on and on. Three and four because of the um, the elements, and five also. Uh, six and seven also important because of planetary magic seven traditional planets. That would be the six traditional planets with the sun at its center, and then you've got twelve, the astrological signs. Now, when you total. Total them all up, you get 20, 22, and 32. So, 22 being the, the, the trumps of the, the tarot, and, and, and 32 being the 10 sephira and the 22 trumps of the tarot, which also represents the 22 Hebrew letters. You can go on and on and on about the syncresis that's put together there. Um, the idea is to have um, uh, a symbolic worldview that helps you create connection and apply meaning. Sympathetic meaning. You might have heard the term sympathetic magic. Uh, Most magical systems or esoteric systems have these sympathetic attributions. They're not scientific uh, relationships, but they, uh, they imply meaning. Uh, for example, uh, the number seven in this system would imply the planet Venus. It would imply the sacred feminine. It would imply uh, the metal copper, or, uh, copper. It would imply the uh, the the color green or the emerald stone. It would it would imply a number of other things to do with seven. And one could say the same thing about six or five or. Three or there's there's lots of famous uh, materials about this sort of thing. That uh, probably the most famous one is you know Crowley calling himself the B six six six. Crowley identified himself with the sun and um, the the Sephirah of Tifereth, and and he would say said famously in a court battle when he was being um, pointed at by the by the prosecution. Oh, you call yourself the B666. Crowley's like, Oh, six is a solar number. I'm just calling myself little sunshine. And, and so this is an example of how th- these meanings can be a- applied over and over with the one at the top and the 10 at the bottom. And I give a long talk about the, about the Kabbalah. And it's the kind of thing that one could go on and on and on about to people who are not interested at all. And it becomes a very tedious so but, uh, I, if you're interested in in finding out about this stuff, there's pl- plenty of material published.
1: Troy yeah. Troy is one of the most self-aware esotericst oh, thinking. as he says, <laughs> the rest of the world is just not interested yeah, enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Like it's laughs> the
2: glazing over <laughs> <Most>
0: <laughs> so, yeah. I, right. I, like, along those lines does so if one is a uh, how to phrase this, So most masons I know, if you were to say, give that little speech you just gave on the numbers and the in the ma- in masonry, in just that three minutes, you would totally they would go. Ah, that's a, that's, that's so a, so a, so I don't know what you' talking about. so
2: much. How could you learn it all?
0: I was going to self describe as a stump in that tree of life. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh think dear. Of it, think of it. I guess my as... my question is, is 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 that Mason who's not that inclined that way are they are they just missing something or is there are they not really a mason or or what's the where's um, the there's a large body of people out there where do they fall on this
2: right so here's the thing um one this is all for to, to add meaning or to to create um Uh, a a mnemonic memory device to memorize this stuff, to remember this stuff. It's helpful to learn uh, for me as a, as a serious uh, occultist to learn the Kabbalistic tree of life, the tarot, the astrology, they all hang on there. So it's very convenient to have a, an encapsulated system. It's very convenient and, and safe for me, feels very safe to be able to relate to things that way. But one doesn't have to go so far to learn that when one is uh, uh, learning about the, in the ancient work, the three, five, and seven, when one is talking about that, there's all sorts of meaning that's hung off that very simple uh, group of ideas. You know, you're hanging off, um, you know, uh, the different forms of architecture. You've got different types of of knowledge and schooling in there. You've got, uh, you know, uh, and there's, a long lecture in the ancient work, which in in Canada, that's that's the American work, the 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 web work that um, that you guys do, not the English work that the Canadian work is. But uh, you know, uh, for us in the Canadian work, we have different groups of numbers that are important. We talk uh, quite a bit about um, the measurements and the layout of the lodge. There's some cabalistic significance there. But if you're not interested in learning that stuff. You know, it's 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 not of any consequence. It's not going to diminish your 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 learning. But I've been approached by Masons who are convinced that they've found uh, a numerological significance in our work, um, in the wording of the work. They break the words down into numbers, and the numbers equal this and that and everything else. Um, there was a book out a number of years called the Bible Code, which claimed to do the same thing. Uh, the The problem is the work is not the same from place to place to place to place. From lodge to lodge, the work varies slightly. So um, it's, it's one of these things um, I think Douglas Adams talks about in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where you know uh, the philosopher proves that God doesn't exist and then goes on to prove that black is white and gets run over at the next zebra crossing. It's one of these things where it's only useful to imply meaning or to add meaning to the practitioner. And one could teach somebody else who's interested in becoming a practitioner and learning all of this meaning and way to imply meaning on stuff, but it's, it, it's only for the individual to use. That's, that's, we have a saying that it's, that it's, um, the deity communicating directly with your soul or the universe communicating directly with your soul, anything you realize that way it's for you, you know, and you could share some of it with your brethren, but you don't, you don't want to go down a rabbit hole where you sound crazy, you know, because, because that's part of doing group work in a group setting is so that people can keep you grounded and sane so that you don't go, you know, uh, setting fire to public buildings, which is not a good idea.
1: I think, I think you can make a comparison here when you're Matthew, when you're asking if uh, uh, someone who's esoterically inclined is going to look down or, or diminish a Freemason who isn't interested in that. I think this, you see the same thing where a brother who has a good memory or defines his Freemasonry by the ability to memorize and work all of the degrees in a, in the Tiled Lodge, some of them may look down and consider someone who doesn't do that as less of a Mason, where I would suggest in, in both cases they're misunderstanding what it means to be a Mason. And I suggest that someone takes his three degrees and then goes out into the world and actually tries to put those teachings into practice is far more a Freemason than anyone who parses the numbers or memorizes them. Yeah. It's, it's,
2: it's, it's it's important to remember that those of us who might study these things might find uh, a, a beautiful symmetry in the way the lodge is laid out, or the way uh, we march around, um, how many circumambulations there are, how many knocks there are, how many times things are said—you uh, know—the the numbers implied in our teachings, all of this stuff might might imp- might further uh, dig into that candidate uh, and and get their hooks into that candidate, and therefore be practiced by that candidate. Um, and I think it's important to encourage this method of thinking, because I, I believe it's why our, our material was built the way it was, was to take advantage of the way that people think, that they think in archetype. They, they, they tend to group like-minded things together. And there's a reason that sympathetic magic has been so popular throughout history. It's because that, that's, that's how human beings behave. They find things that are similar and they tend to group them together.
1: We like to find patterns. So, so, Troy, I, I mentioned uh, our, circum, uh, our circumnavigating the Lodge mm-hmm. in a clockwise solar uh, manner. Uh, you talked about, uh, about the, uh, the tarot or the tree of life uh, for the candidate. Can you think of any other examples of, of areas where, where an esotericist would find something of that in Freemasonry?
2: Oh, man. Um, they're everywhere. Everything we do, there's no casual word or gesture in Freemasonry to somebody like me. Um, every lecture has so many different things you can hang meaning on. Um, you know, I don't know how far or what we can reveal. Um, the duality of the perfect Ashler, you know, of the rough Ashler to perfect Ashler, what does that represent? That re- represents the hero's journey from, you know, rough hewn. Um, uh, raw material to the to the perfection that i believe is capable in the flesh many people would tell you it's not but then again many many religions teach that that the flesh is is vile and to be rejected masonry doesn't teach that at all Uh, masonry gives us an opportunity to do good work while we're here for the sake of it um there's there's so many things uh the 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 five stars, or sorry, the seven stars that are visible in a lodge are a, a, an easy allusion to the seven planets. And that's suggesting that um, people might want to go back and look at those forgotten sciences uh, that used so much traditional astrology. And I don't mean uh, the astrological symbols. I mean that the wandering planets, the the seven traditional uh, solar bo- uh, um, uh, bodies that would travel through the through those twelve zodiacal signs, they were much more important, and so uh, so many traditional archetypes attach themselves to those seven. Um, you know, and and even seeing our square encompasses as a hexagram, which is another representation of seven, you think, well, that's six points, yeah, but there's a point in the middle. So there's so so many so many things in a in a in a lodge um, one can contemplate. that the the use of three so often the Pythagoreans believe three to be a perfect number and the cosmology of three, how, how um, the deity splits itself to observe itself and then uh, can only do so uh, through a mirror. So you've got, um, you've got a a duality, you know, a, a, a one thing and another thing, but then you have the two combined to make a third thing. So there's no uh, and once you're above zero you're automatically to three you can't have one or two without three and the mystical contemplation of the of, of the the philosophical meaning of that there's just so much so much to contemplate and if and if you're a an esoterically inclined mason and you haven't explored these things uh, i would definitely encourage you to do so masonry does have a complete system of symbology in the three degrees uh, and a complete system of of practical magic that one could apply or imply from those three degrees I think they're totally complete i i uh, I often say like I've heard Trevor say so many times I can
0: only count to three so I all i need yeah I, I feel yeah. like we both scratched the surface and went really deep somehow at the same time here mm-hmm. so far uh, <laughs> um, so if it's uh, well, A, uh, Troy, if you're willing to hang on for a little while longer, we'd, we'd lo- love to uh, record a second show with you here about this topic, because there's there's certainly a lot there that we've just alluded to uh, now. But I, I understand you've got some events coming up that you might like to uh, discuss briefly before we run out of time here. Do you?
2: Yeah, uh, Grand Masonic Day, which is the longest running annual uh, educational event uh, in our jurisdiction, the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. The Grand Master is going to attend on May 8th at 11 a.m. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite. You can just search for Grand Masonic Day 2021 and you will find it. Um, and I'll be posting it all over in the next little while. Uh, tickets are free with your annual subscription to the for Lodge of Education and Research, which happens to be $20. So if you've already paid your dues for the year, you can get in for free. Just email me and I'll make that happen. We have a limit of 200 people available for that or 200 tickets available. Um And, uh, yeah, uh, esotericism and Freemasonry conference, our fifth year will be sometime in October. I think it's going to be the first weekend in October. Uh, but I will be conferring with the organizing committee and getting back with a firm date on that, but please uh, stay tuned for esotericism and Freemasonry. Uh, you can find us at
0: esotericmasonry.com. And I I will say I've been to that. I've been to, I guess, two of the in-person ones and, and the online one of those, and there it's a, I loved it. It was really, uh, you, you walked out of there thinking, there's so much more. Wow.
2: Do masonry. Yeah, yeah. There's was, so was much, show. there's so much to do. Yeah.
0: So uh, with that, uh, thank you. Worship brother Troy for, for being a part of our podcast today. And on behalf of uh, Stephen and Trevor and David and myself, uh, well, thanks for being here and thank you all for listening to the working tools podcast.